Namaste. The child of God in me recognizes the child of God in you. If you've ever been to a yoga or meditation class, you have probably heard this greeting and acknowledgement. The word namaste is Sanskrit for bowing to you. And it has been reinterpreted in many ways, but all those interpretations have been centered around the idea of the divine in each of us, recognizing the divine in someone else. So I want to invite you to try it together. We put our hands together in what's called prayer pose. We place them near our heart, on our sternum. And then we bow our heads and close our eyes to help our mind surrender to the divine in our heart. And we let the divine love flow from our heart to the ones we greet. So on the count of three, you can say namaste. Here we go. One, two, three. Namaste. When we greet one another like this, and when we use it in yoga and meditation, it initiates this exchange, a symbol of gratitude and respect of a teacher to a student, and it recognizes the teachers that have taught the one who is teaching and leading. And then in return, it invites the students to connect with their lineage and allowing the truth to flow, the truth that we are all one when we live from the heart. That sounds a lot like another teacher who teaches how to live from the heart. Today's Bible story helps us to understand how to live from the heart through naming who Jesus is in our lives, pointing to this teacher's influence and all the teachers that came before and after. Claiming the benefits of that relationship with Jesus, we can then reflect that love and grace and relationship in all our other relationships. So Jesus and his disciples are traveling, and when they came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And the disciples said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter is the one who bravely steps forward and says, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Jesus blesses Simon, son of Jonah, presumably for being that courageous student with the correct answer, and affirms that Peter's answer didn't come from human beings. It's not based on rumor or hearsay or the influence of other people, 
Peter's answer points in the direction of a greater truth. As son of the living God, this Messiah is also the one who is God with us. And this is significant here because it means, among lots of other things, that everything the disciples have experienced with Jesus so far, everything they have learned from this Messiah as they follow him and listen to his teachings, through their limited senses of sight, sound, taste, and touch, participating in the feeding of the 5,000, which included them, the storm being stilled on the lake, eating with the Canaanite woman and witnessing that powerful encounter where Jesus changes his mind. It's not just knowledge or experience that's revealed through flesh and blood, although it is uh, very much human. It is also a revelation from God. And so as we think about how these two things fit together, we realize that when we answer this question, who do you say that I am? How we identify Jesus should be based on our own personal encounters with God. Even though it's informed by our readings and rereadings of scripture, and in dialogue with other people, how we identify Jesus should be grounded in lifelong conversation with God, where we adjust what we think we know as necessary. Because a living God and a living word means that things are going to sound different and be revealed in new and different ways through the course of our lives. Our denomination, our church, our pastors, our mothers, our fathers, our siblings, our Sunday school teachers, and others will have their opinions on who Jesus is and what Jesus is up to in this world. But in the end, it is up to us in our relationship, in our conversations with God, how we will identify Jesus. And so I want you to answer this question today. Take a moment and brainstorm on your own. You can write it down or talk with those who are um, listening or watching this with you, those in your household. Who do people say that Jesus is? What does culture tell us about who Jesus is? What do your pastors say about who Jesus is or your parents or your grandparents, or your brothers, or your sisters, or your friends, or the cable news channels. Who do people say Jesus is? And then I want you to brainstorm, who do you say Jesus is? Where have you experienced Jesus being revealed to you in your life? What does your relationship with Jesus mean for who you say Jesus is? Now compare those two answers. 
Are they the same? Are they different? There's no judgment, it's just curiosity. Do they match? Or is there something about your experience with Jesus and in that relationship that is different from what the world or others tell us about who Jesus is? It's important to be curious about this because how we identify Jesus will impact the way that we interact with one another and the world. We have been claimed and named as beloved children of God through our baptisms, called to work together to proclaim Christ through word and deed, care for others in the world God made, and work for justice and peace. And when we claim that for ourselves, when that is our beginning identity, beloved child of God, we also are making a statement about who Jesus is. Who Jesus is to us. One who loves. One who forgives. One who saves. One who connects us to a larger community. And so when we claim that for ourselves, we also claim it for those around us, which leads us to living in ways that support the flourishing of all people. It is about you, but it's also about everyone else. And then Jesus continues his conversation with Peter, and he says, Peter, on this rock, I will build my assembly, and the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. So there's some really church nerdy kinds of things going on here. The word uh, for Peter in Greek is Petros, and the word for rock is Petra. It's a play on words in the original language, right? But there's also a little twist here. This word Petra is feminine. Petros is masculine. And in the ancient language, those need to agree if they're talking about one another. And so, while it's a play on words, it's also a bigger picture of how Jesus is building his church. Jesus may be speaking of that physical place or space in which his identity was correctly named, in that spot outside of Caesarea Philippi. Or it could be that revelation, that personal encounter with Jesus, being the theological foundation for the assembly. Perhaps Jesus is saying, that God's assembly, God's family, God's church will be founded on Jesus' identity as the Messiah of the living God. A living God that is a relevant God, a contextual God, a God who speaks a word that reflects the context in which we live and the challenges that people face. Jesus continues, I will give you the keys 
of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This goes back to claiming our identity and claiming it for other people. The heavens are witnesses of the people and things that we imprison and the people and things that we set free. That's part of our call to be part of God's family. And when we restrict justice to the dominant and the powerful and release or enact unjust laws that impact the most vulnerable among us, heaven knows and is impacted too. Pastor Nate talked about that last week. That our faithfulness and our action has an effect on God and God's kingdom. Matthew's Jesus said that when you have treated the most vulnerable, the stranger, the foreigner, the imprisoned, those with no homes, the hungry, those without clean, affordable water, with compassion, justice, human care, and human dignity, you have done so to me. To Jesus. What we do on earth for one another and to one another matters, and it has an impact not only on the community around us, but on the larger family of God. If we claim the name that we have been given, beloved child of God, if we proclaim and confess that that is who we are, beloved, forgiven, saved, and blessed, then it also must be true for others. Because that is who Jesus is. And when we live in the truth of being beloved, forgiven, saved, and blessed, it becomes easier to see that we are all one when we live from the heart. That's what Jesus is asking of his disciples in this story. Who do you say I am? How have you seen me revealed? In the core of who you are, what do you see and know about me, Jesus? And then Jesus says, this is how we will build the church, on that identity, on that loving care for our neighbor, on the identity of the one who lives with us, and among us, bringing forgiveness and healing and new and abundant life. So this week, I'd like to challenge you to practice seeing someone else as a beloved child of God before you put any other labels on them, especially if they are someone with whom you disagree. And as you do this, take some time to be curious, how are they reflecting Jesus in their life? What kind of Jesus are they reflecting? What image of Jesus are they reflecting? What are they saying to the world about the God that they proclaim? Not out of judgment, but out of seeing them with their true core name beloved child of God. Our country is deeply divided in all sorts of ways, politically, racially, and the ways we think about God and neighbor 
and how we best live that out. And the only way forward to move towards reconciliation, to move toward unity, to take those very first halting baby steps is for those who profess that Jesus is the Messiah, the Word made flesh, the Son of God, the one who lives with us and among us, is by recognizing that beloved child of God in one another and living as if those things that we claim about Jesus and our relationship with Jesus for ourselves, living as though that's true for everyone else. It will change our perspective. It will change how we act. It will change how we live. Name it. Claim it for yourself and for others and live like it's true because it is. Be confident because you are a beloved child of God and be kind because everyone else is too. Namaste. Amen.